All right, welcome back to another episode of How the Fuck Do I? Uh, hi, Marta. Hi, Benjamin. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be back. I think we've got a pretty kick-ass guest uh, to talk to today. Yeah, he's all right. He's okay. Uh, this podcast is uh, pretty much called How the Fuck Do I Become and Work in the Music Business? And uh, we have a really, really awesome guest who's been a longtime friend of ours. He currently works at Interscope Records in the International Marketing Department, where he has worked with a list of a list of artists. Uh, Are we allowed to name some of? Uh, the yeah, artists? can we name these artists? Like, like maybe Lady Gaga. Yeah, I think you can name whoever. Works and for like, yeah. like maybe like Imagine like Dragons. Maybe Imagine Dragons. Like maybe or maybe Carly Rae Jepsen. And and maybe Gwen Stefani. Maybe Gwen Stefani. One Republic. I mean, this guy has been with the top of the top and has traveled around the world to bring these artists into their into who they are today as being stars. And so, um, you know, we're excited to have our dude Nick Miller on the show. Hello, Nick Hello, Miller. Nick. Whee! And Nick has been at U Music Group at Interscope Records specifically, though. For over 10 years? 10 years. It'll be 14 years 14. in about four days. Oh, my God. Wow. So by the time you hear this, it'll be over 14 years. Wow. That's insane. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. It's not counting the internships either. Probably 16 with the internships. Damn, yeah. you're old. I know. We're old. Not Ben, though. He's not old. So I'm when old. I'm working with an artist who I've... Yeah, I've been in the music industry for longer than the artist has been alive. Oh, wow. like oh, that's starting to happen now. Huh? Yeah, how does that feel? It's like my guitar amp is older than you. Oh, that's cool. So I yeah, mean, so I mean, we you know the the whole point of this podcast is we want to give people tangible advice of of how to get to where they want to go, and I think the music business for us, all of us working in it, is is just a beast in itself of figuring out how you navigate. And so obviously wanting to talk to Nick 16 years in this business probably has a couple, couple pointers that right we now. can give. So, um, I think the good, the best place to start is, um, you know, hearing about who you are, you know, where you're from and, and how you even got into music and, uh, where you, playing in bands or, or what what's kind of the, the background and, and how you, you be, you know, got started in this business. My grandmother had gotten my brother and I each uh, a keyboard and a guitar. Uh, I got the keyboard, my brother got the guitar. We both took one lesson. We're like, okay, I hate this. And it was a few years later, all of a sudden it's junior high, and this guy brings a guitar to, to class, and all the girls are just surrounding him playing this guitar. And I was like, wait, I have one of those at home. Why can't I do that? I wanted to get the, get the girls, but then I was like, well, I could play the guitar also. Got it. I, we both liked the same music because it was like, now this is 1994, and I started learning how to play the guitar. From there, I was in a band all throughout high school, um, and through the ups and downs of, you know, adolescence and all that jazz, music is always, always what I turn to. Uh, playing my guitar is what I always turn to, to kind of get through whatever demons I was dealing with. I know I could always depend on music and my guitar. What uh, what genre was your band and what was it called? Heavy metal, hard rock. Fuck yeah. Uh, half <laughs> covers, half originals. Band was called Mutiny. Yes. Oh my yeah. God, of course it was. And our logo I made was, um, the T was a, was a cross. Ugh, so very, so like, badass. Very metal. Um, and I bet the chicks dug it. Some of them, yeah. How some many shows them. did you guys play? Did you guys play a lot? Let's see, we played... 
I played in three or four until I got kicked out of the band for just some some drama. Band um, artistic ooh. differences? <laughs> no, I um hooked up with the bass player's crush. I would call that artistic differences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so, definitely what with the press release would yeah. say. <laughs> Even though I asked for permission, it still didn't matter. It's all good. All right. Well, it's all good. Okay. So you fell in love with so, music. So I fell in love with music and I knew that creativity and music was what was going to get me through the rest of my life. And I knew that was either going to be New York, Nashville, or L.A. in regards to music. And I'm an Arizona desert guy, so I needed the warmth. So it wasn't New York. Nashville at the time, I didn't want because I was a heavy metal guy. I didn't want anything to do with country. So L.A. was kind of where I was at because you think all of my favorite artists, they had performed on the Sunset Strip or out in Hollywood. Like You heard all these crazy stories. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to L.A., and my goal is to play the Sunset Strip. Now, little did I know that I was actually setting the bar pretty low because I ended up playing the Roxy a handful of times. No, nothing is Roxy. I love the Roxy. Just, I should have set my goals a little bit higher, like, like the Will the Fonda or the Will yeah. Turn or the Bowl. Well, you got to start but, at small yeah. capacity venues. you got to start somewhere. But it was cool to be able to be like, all my favorite artists had played there. It's like the initiation. Like, you've got to play these certain kind of venues and I was like going through that process yeah and the Roxy by the way is an amazing venue and where I saw Amy Winehouse first concert in the US wow so the Roxy that's is yeah. an amazing special. venue and very big artists also play it but that's just not where like the story should no end. I get it but so I, I just get... we should give the Roxy its of course, full musical of course. credit yes. Absolutely. of course sorry Roxy if you're listening I didn't mean it like that <laughs> um, blacklist him so I went to I went to Loyola Marymount University hey, here yeah. in Los Angeles uh, studied Recording arts and minor to business because my dad said, if you're going to want to make money, you've got to learn business. And that made complete sense. And then from there, I ended up going going and interning at Interscope Records my junior year. Um, I thought, what's the best way to get into something is if you're already a part of it. I want to know, let's yeah. back up just a little bit. How did you know that you wanted to be in the, on the business side? Well, there was two parts. Um, one was a couple guys came back about five years after they graduated to come talk to our recording arts class. And uh, and everyone kind of just got real and was like, look, we're still wrapping wires five years later in the studio. And at the time, I was just like, I don't, that kind of freaked me out, just still five years later wrapping wires. I was like, okay, I've got to like kind of come up with like a plan B while I'm recording. Like I can still record with my Pro Tools rig in my dorm and in my condo or whatever and still kind of work. So I was like, okay, I need to like, have a plan B. Uh, so I was like, okay, what if I worked for a label? And then I think the other part was when I was in high school, um, I was a part of, you know, every street team. You'd sign up for, you know, your favorite bands and hopefully you got like a couple stickers or something. And randomly, um, I don't know if I just signed up and clicked something, but Pantera's Reinventing the Steel was coming out that year. And all of a sudden on my doorstep, I got a box of about 100 t-shirts 30 license plates, 5,000 stickers, and just like a note saying like, pass these out, here's a disposable camera, take a photo of where you're, and then send it back to the label. I was like, holy cow. So then I ended up going to like all these concerts that summer and just handing out Pantera stickers. And this, uh, at the time, older gentleman, he's probably in his like late 20s, early 30s, but he was older when you're, when you're 17. Um, he's like, who do you work for? And I was like, I don't work for anybody. I'm just a big fan of Pantera. He's like, well, who are you passing stuff? I was like, I just said that. Like, I'm just a fan. It's like, well, do you want to do that for a job and like go to concerts for free? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, so I was do. Like, well, uh, he's like, all you got to do is, you know, 
go to these concerts every single night and hand out flyers and you can go in for free. I was like, this is going to be the best summer between high school and college. Well, who did, who did this mysterious older, in quotes, gentleman work for? Uh, it was a company called Diamond in the Rough Promotions. Oh, wow. What a okay. name. Yeah. So you did that, and then how did you find out about the internship? Um, ironically, uh, a classmate of mine, she had an internship at Epic Records, which was, at the time, located on Colorado Avenue, um, excuse me, Colorado Boulevard, um, in Santa Monica. And she got a call to be an intern at Interscope, and she had already gotten the internship at Sony, and she knew that all my favorite bands were on Interscope. And she's like, hey. Like who? Um, let's see, at the time, that was... Queens of the Stone Age, because of all the mergers, there was AFI, there was Jimmy Eat World, um, Just hitting White Zombie, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, if I didn't say Nine Inch Nails already, I did, I'll say it now, uh, Nirvana, Weezer, like, Interscope Giffen A&M has such God, it was so an cool. insane roster. Fucking right. Um, and I was like, I would love to work for them. So I cold called the radio department and said, hey, you just offered an internship to my friend Lindsay, but I'm going to take it if that's cool. I'm like, well, it's not cool yet. You got to come in and interview. And I went in in khakis and a button up blue shirt and a tie. And the Which person, is like not your persona no, at the, all. The person who interviewed me was in pajamas. It was great. Um, <laughs> yeah. So at the beginning of the internship, it was like button up shirt tucked in. By the end of it, I was wearing the free Manson t shirt that I got and shorts. What would you wear? Just I a would, standard button down shirt? I still would jeans. say don't wear shorts. Just don't shorts, wear shorts. Just don't wear shorts. Yeah. I think the takeaway is if you're going to interview in the music industry, you should, you should, you don't have to not be yourself, but be presentable. Correct. Okay. So getting back on track. So you intern at Interscope. Did you meet or work with any of these like favorite bands you were just rattling off? No. Not but, as an intern. But it was enjoyable enough that you decided you wanted to work in it. Yeah. I mean, because I saw all of like the behind the scenes. And at the time, you know, growing up, radio was my favorite thing. It was 98 KUPD. So to work for the radio department, growing up and loving the radio and kind of seeing like how the labels talk to different stations and how they got a hold of the music and like all the behind the scenes. Like when a, it wasn't just like randomly a lead singer was calling into the station because he felt like it, like somebody set that up. Like it was really cool to hear like, hey, what's going on, Phoenix? It's so-and-so from fill in the blank. Like that's all planned by somebody. And that turns out that artist probably had like 30 more to do and he probably hated it. <laughs> that's true. Very, very <laughs> true. Because phoners are so painful. Um, you know, it was, it was cool because I don't know. It was just like the side of the business I'd never seen because you always thought, I don't know, just music magically appeared somewhere. I didn't realize that it was this big building with all these different departments. I, I really came in just very doe eyed, you know, not knowing anything. I just, I love the guitar and, I knew there were music studios because I'd visited music studios, but there was a whole like wing of someone who does just press, someone who does just film and TV, someone who does just licensing. You're like, you just never thought of it until someone tells you about it and points right. it out to you. So it was really just eye-opening in that sense. Um, you know, when 50 Cent's In the Club first came out, uh, I had to make about 5,000 copies of that CD burner and listen to every one of them to make sure it didn't skip because it was going to be going on the air. So I literally had to put every label of every radio station across the country. So if you heard in the club in 2003, Thanks, probably because it's a, a blank CD that wow. I burned into the club on. Wow, that's bananas. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. From the internship, you started and you worked into the radio department. Like, Where, where did the path kind of take you from there? When I graduated, there wasn't a spot open. 
so I just kept in contact with all the assistants. When I graduated, I gave them a, a note with my resume in a very like fun way. I took all the stickers of the bands we worked and put them in a crazy shape. Um, at the time, um, all those really cool Absolute Vodka ads with the different shapes. And so I made one in the shape of all of our different artists and then don and then not donated, gifted them all a bottle of Absolute Vodka so you really wouldn't forget me. The thoughtful gift yeah. and networking. We were talking we about this yeah. different times. Yes, networking is so important. Like We're going to hear so many different points. This is just another point of just small acts of kindness that you can do that can take you to the next level. So that true. is one of the most tangible things that anyone can take away. So. Right. There's that and then honestly being the squeaky wheel because I would check in every, every other month, every two months, just here's what I'm doing, here's what's going on, just always trying to be on your radar. Yeah. Don't be annoying, but just check in. Here's what I'm up to. You know, please keep me in mind. So it was always, always try to be on the front burner whenever there was something. And so like a year and a half later, there finally was an opening um, for the uh, alternative radio assistant. Man, that, I think that's great. Then like I want to make, I want to emphasize this of what you said is, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out and keeping in contact. Like you said, don't be annoying, but also don't be afraid. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, reach out to, to someone, to send an email or make a phone call and stay up to date you know, without the fear, I have this fear of like, okay, am I, am I being too much to them? Or, you know, am I, am I being overwhelming? Put yourself out there, send an email, you know, keep that contact. Going. I think mind. that's a really, really good point that you made. Or would you say be on the front burner is what you said. Yeah. Be I mean, front burner, yeah. there's, it's probably not my father's quote, but he's the one who said it is, you know, there's no such thing as luck. It's where opportunity and preparation meet. And it's about creating those opportunities. And even though I didn't get, you know, the gig, at my favorite label right out of college, I still found a gig, you know, in entertainment. And that was being an assistant on the Sony pictures lot, being the office coordinator who sold uh, Sony electronics to like their VIPs. It was still a foot in the door, even though it wasn't even nine degrees away from Kevin Bacon. It was like 30. It was still 30 steps that I knew, okay, I can just try to connect these dots. So you go in to be an alternative department yeah, so I, I I was in the radio department for I think total about four years and change. I moved from being the assistant to alternative radio to being the assistant for the vice president of promotion, um, which was like an education in itself. Just kind of seeing someone who was incredibly smart, who knew promotion like the back of her hand, and just kind of not that you're listening in on anything, but you're learning by just by example. You know how the conference calls go how you're deciding to pitch a certain record. Like, what do you say? Like, well, I never thought about this. Just really being the biggest sponge that you can be. As my great-grandfather said before with the college, you know, keep your eyes and your ears open, your mouth shut. Sometimes it's just really, you just got to listen and see what everybody else is doing and learn from that. So you were there for four years. There for four years. And like, what artists would qualify as the alternative genre? People who don't know. Weezer, AFI, Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, did I say Jimmy World? Jimmy yeah. World, yeah. I would, yeah. I would, I remember I walked, I, I I walked I walked the the new AFI sync at the time Miss Murder, uh, into Kara. Hey Miss Murder, can for like, I? For like one of the um, I think the first plays. And that, that was I, 2006. Yeah. I was there. I was interning at Interscope 2006. You were interning for Tony. I, I was interning for Tony. Yeah. So yeah, I, I drove that bad boy to, to Tony, uh, that way. bad boy to K Rock. I remember them doing the like like a signing for that at Tower when it was still open, mm-hmm. and Tony was working it. Yeah. That's how there. we all met at that time. That's right. Has it been that long we've all known each other? Wow. Yeah. 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 
Over a decade. Yep. We're old. When did you two officially meet? Oh. I don't remember. Some inner, probably like coming to see Tony because he always worked later than me. And so I'd like be like, are you ready to go yet? And he'd be like, I'm just winding some down. This is my friend Nick Miller. We just started hanging out and I don't remember the rest. Yeah. He was an executive assistant. He and was I was an executive assistant. Right. You guys were in the trenches together. Yeah. yeah. But who knows? I mean, I went from there to tour marketing. Um, now it's, I think it's called touring and special events. I told myself I've never worked in that department because they work, you know, on the weekends because artists are always on the run. Um, there's hotels that need to be booked, flights that might be delayed. So you're working like at night on the wheels, like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'll never do that. But then all of a sudden a spot opens and I'm like, I'll take it. So what we did in that department is anything that has to do with the logistics of the artist. Um, let it be something as simple as the schedule of the day-to-day for, for phoners, um, running them into a radio um, or flying them somewhere to like do like a, I don't know, a bigger event. Uh, you're working on the cars, the hotels, it helping advance the backline, connecting the tour manager or the production team with the radio station or whatever the event space was. Just making sure the, the nuts and bolts of everything was done. It didn't matter if you were the one that was selling a platinum record or if you're the brand new artist, like a car still needs to be booked. You still need to get that flight. You still need a hotel to sleep in. Someone needs to book all that. I, I can't imagine you, you know, sitting here in L.A., having an artist go to like six different places in New York City, getting them on get there on time. Like you're kind of handling the logistics of, of all of that, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, the, the few things that I loved about it was I was dealing with every single department in the building because you'd have requests from radio, requests from press, requests from at the time was called new media. Now it's just called the digital department, um, you know, because blogs were a thing. What are those? You know, what are blogs? Um, Widgets. You know, visiting, you I just know, wanted to say old things, <laughs> old media things. Sorry. Visiting, you know, AOL Music. Hey, you know what? Like I worked, <laughs> shout out to AOL Music Yo. and Spinner.com. Yeah. And I worked yeah. for AOL and it was awesome. So you've got AOL all these. Sessions. AOL Sessions. AOL yeah. Sessions. Fuck yeah. I went to many of them. So you've got all these requests and someone's got to filter it and be like, okay, how do I look at the calendar or look at the schedule and say, how do I fit this all in? So you were kind of like the puzzle piece guy. Like how can everybody come together and it not, not just what was logistically possible, but also what is humanly possible. And I loved working with every department because then I started to learn about, you know, what are the priorities of the press team? Um, and then realizing just because a magazine might have the biggest following, it might not be the biggest fit for the artist. So you're thinking, okay, what is now on brand, you know, what is building that foundation underneath the artist mean? Um, so not just always trying to go for the quickest way out, but what is the smartest way to kind of promote the, this artist? Um, and luckily I got to also go on the road with these artists um, when there were festivals, you know, down in Miami for, was it Ultra and not EDC, but what's the other one? Winter Music Conference. And then, you know, Fashion Week in New York and SNL and South by Southwest. So you're, you're on the road with these artists also, uh, building a rapport to where, you know, you're trying to build the, this trust with the artist. You're also trying to get to know them because you want to know what is it that they want to do also. Um, maybe they're, they're really passionate about something you don't know. And so it's more than just here's a record and here's a song, which is, I think, the good and the bad of this industry is you're not just like selling a car. It's like at the end of the day, you can put the F-150 in the, the garage and the F-150 is not going to email you or call you about how they're upset about why we're not getting played on the radio or getting you know the right playlist. Or they 
you also they might not call you up when they're super excited that we got that killer playlist or respond on the radio so there's the plus and the minus of you're dealing with people here you're building relationships you're you're on the road with someone and they're like i'm so tired but thank you for like keeping my head in the game and making sure i'm fed and sleep right well it's, you know? it all sounds like entertainment always sounds so glamorous it like does. oh my god you're on the road and it is being on the road is exhausting yeah so like when you are doing that how do you keep your sanity because you kind of have to like have your shit together in order to keep other people's shit together, you know? The artist is allowed to, to feel and do whatever they need, you know, the, the artist. And then you've got the client who might not be excited about the artist being 10 or 15 minutes late or maybe an hour late or wanting to move things around or change something. And you've got to make sure that all the edges are smooth, that the artist is happy, but then also the partner is happy. You're that middleman who's got to, like, you cannot be upset about which either one feels because you have to have that relationship with both of them because you're not going to succeed if you don't have everyone's support. So, so it's like, how do you work it out? And you've got to keep your mental cool. Yeah. Um, and when you're extremely tired, um, and you're hangry, you've got to just keep it together because if you lose it, then everyone's going to lose it. The skills you need for a job like that are that you can be super like agile and flexible and you can like kind of pivot quickly that you have an that you have an ability to like self-soothe and kind of stay calm and like have an ability to make other people calm and you're like fantastic at relationship building would you say that's right like are there other skills you think you need to do a job like that knowing that you attract bees with honey and not vinegar that's always flies with honey yeah or bees or flies yeah <laughs> You know, you you don't want to piss anybody off because that's not going to win. I know, like, tough love and showing you're, like, who's the the stronger one in the room sometimes gets it done, but I don't think that's what builds it on an everyday kind of scenario. I was trying to think of, like, modern day, like, you're trying to get in the business. Like, what are the skills people look for when they're hiring people? Yeah. Because I sort of this, like, uh, there used to be a mentality of, like, you're cold-hearted, you're a badass, you're kind of unpredictable, you can handle this fast pace, but I feel like the skills – what you're describing is a little bit of a different skill set. I mean, you definitely need to have thick skin because you're going to be yelled at even though it's not your fault. It's not you. Yeah. It's, it's the situation. They're yelling at the situation. You just have to take it. Sometimes they apologize. Sometimes they don't. And you just, you can't let that, can't internalize that. Yeah. Mm. So the, the, the tough skin definitely is for sure. And you can't, can't blow up at anybody. You can't be upset at anyone. Even if you have a right to be. You got to keep it cool. I mean, that's also not just the music industry. That's in all facets. I was gonna say, do you do you think that like just in general, in all facets, just talking about thick skin? Do you think that comes with time, or do you think that comes with like mental like focus, or like how do you get thick skin? I always ask myself too. I I think it's time, time, and like being in those experiences and like feeling what it is. You know, if you're getting yelled at, right? For me, it's like I'm an emotional person. You know, those things could get to me, and they probably get to a lot of people. Like, how do you kind of like brush that away? Is it? I don't know. What do you? What, I mean, what do you guys think? Like, it's yeah. I think it's uh, baptism through fire, learning on the job. Yeah. Learning. Okay, here's what here's what triggers me, and here's what I need to be ahead of it, and not let that get to me. I think the only thing I'm gonna give a lady perspective here mm -hmm. as a lady. I think that there's like this like, oh, for a woman, it's like you're thick skinned and that means you show no emotion or you're like really bitchy and crass. And I don't think that that's like a good look for anybody. Mm -hmm. 
I think that thick skin comes, like you said, with time and experience to where you're just like, you get confident and that you know you're good at your job and you know what's right and wrong and you know to be like, fuck up, that's dumb. I'm not going to care about that. But I don't think it means you can't be emotional or you, like mm. not irrational, but you can't be emotional for anyone, man or woman. I think you still have to be a person and be human and you can have thick skin and also be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. I agree with you. I agree too. I think it's a great point. I'm glad we all concur. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, we want to hear a few stories if you're able to share a couple, like 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 highlights, like some of the career highlights for you. Well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up kind of the, the earlier story of how I got to where I am, where the last, I'm currently in the international department on the marketing side, and I was previously on the promotional side. Um, and previously when I said, oh, I'll never work in touring because they, they have to, you know, work at night in case if a car doesn't show up or a flight gets canceled. I'm like, I'll never do what those international guys do because those guys travel 300 days out of the year. They never see their friends and family. And of course, the moment I say that, I get an offer to work for the international department. seems like it's a common theme so with you here. <laughs> the, moment, the moment you say that, oh, I'll never do that, the universe is like, hold my beer. You're going to do this. <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that kind of lends itself to the moment that you feel comfortable in a situation, like do something to feel uncomfortable. Because you want to learn. Be vulnerable. Yeah, be vulnerable. Learn about yourself. Um, and do something that sounds crazy. That's Don't knock it until you tried it, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I was with the uh, the international department, and I remember I sat down with my buddies. I uh, asked them, like, hey, I've got a big announcement. I want to do a dinner. And they all thought I was going to tell them that I got uh, someone pregnant who I was dating at the time. But So it surprised them. Different. Um, I was like, you know, I'm taking on this new job. And I might kind of disappear for the next three or four years. And this is where the Ron Howard voice comes in and says it's been six years. Do um, it. Do it. Do the Ron Howard voice. It was six years. Um, <laughs> so I told him, you know, for the next three or four years, I'm going to disappear. because I'm going to be on the road for just months on end. And I don't want to lose our friendship because I'm going to miss a lot of memories. I'm going to need you guys when I come back and need you guys support. That's really um, great that you did that. Yeah. And I, I ended up losing some friendship just because when you're out of sight, you're kind of lose these moments and friends that were kind of just casual friends become casual strangers. And then hopefully with your, your good group of friends, you, those are your support group. Yeah. And I really needed that when you're on the road and you're on the road for two or three weeks at a time and you're, you're missing home and you're trying to emotionally and mentally stay in it because you have to with, you know, the client and you're, going to be in a different country every single day. and You think about it and like, it sounds super glamorous. I don't know how you guys actually mentally and physically do that. I mean, it's not glamorous. You guys land in a city. I mean, like, talk about like what your kind of like day would be like on an international promo run. It's it's not that glamorous, huh? It's not. I mean, it, there's, there's definitely perks, but it's not what everybody thinks. Yeah. Um, it was like, Ooh, you're going to Berlin. Like do this. You're like, honestly, we, we land at 11 o'clock the night before we wake up, we go to the radio station, we leave there. We go back to the hotel to do more interviews. We have lunch. We head to the TV studio. We do rehearsal, maybe go outside for 10 minutes, tape it, and then catch a flight to the next country. And the only thing I saw of Berlin might've been just what was outside the van. So other than like, I had German pretzels from the lobby like you're like I didn't really do anything that was German. It or sounds like, like any, any other business travel. Yeah, yeah. 
tell us about some of your like tell us one of your top career highlights and then one of your top career failures moments that made it all worth it moments where you were like fuck this i want to leave this business but of course you didn't you know everyone always remembers their first concert or why they fell in love with music and my first concert that i'll admit to everybody was uh bush goo goo dolls and no doubt just through circumstance i've been able to work with gwen and it's just incredible to kind of come full circle to be firsthand working on an event that she's a part of i mean like you're one of the reasons why i kind of got into this and now i'm i'm a part of hopefully a reason why maybe somebody else is and to be in a van in london just talking about just christmas memories with her and you're like you're just a real person and I can't believe I'm having this opportunity. So there's like those pinch me moments um, where someone who you respected as a young person and to all of a sudden be able to work with them is incredible. And then to kind of see something go from this little seed to an arena where I remember Imagine Dragons first concert I got to see was at the Viper Room and meeting their family right outside the liquor store. And, and now they're playing arenas everywhere to like hundreds of thousands of people. And they're still just the nicest guys. And to be able to work with them for the last, what, seven years, to see that grow and to be a part of it from the day one, that's been amazing. But I think if I'm on my deathbed and I've got one story left to tell, like my grandkids, it'll probably be one of the numerous Lady Gaga stories I have to where, of our generation to look back, I think that'll be one of them that I can look back and be like, I was a part of that. She's definitely a force of creativity uh, and talent that is definitely not going to go away. So to have been able to like dip in at any moment and to be a part of that. One of my favorite moments was when she did the record with Tony Bennett. I got to do a promo a run with both of them. And someone like Tony where my grandparents' song was a Tony Bennett song. And hear stories of my grandmother seeing Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett back in New York and then working with him and telling him like, oh, my grandma's from the Bronx and you should see at the Paramount. And all of a sudden he's telling me stories about Sinatra and I'm like another pinch me moment like it's just me (laughs) and Tony at the you know the the Capitol in in Brussels just telling Sinatra stories but then like in a half hour we're putting on this incredible press event for press all around the world with Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga I'm just like if I didn't work on this none of this would happen I mean there's a lot of people that work on it but it's like that is your kind of baby and by the end of it you're like holy cow What's your biggest advice to someone who doesn't know how to get in the business? How do they do that? What's the first step they take? I think it's it's easy easier now than maybe before to where you can kind of contact anybody. Um, and I think if you hit somebody up and say, hey, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm passionate about, I, I'd love to just sit down for you for a coffee. Just pick your brain about advice. You're going to send 99 emails and don't let that discourage you. I mean, I think that's a rule of thumb for all of us that you're going to hit you know a lot of doors that aren't going to open but one of them is and honestly just don't give up even when you feel like you have made it there are days where you're going to get beat up and it's those little wins that you got to really hang your hat on um because there's going to be more crappy days than there are good days um nick this has been really great advice absolutely thank you for sharing we want to do a speed round with you Mm -hmm. these are one word answers home or travel Home. Book or podcast? Audiobook. Ooh, Ooh I like okay, that. like that. Necklace or ring? Ring. Favorite junk food? Butterfinger. Twizzlers or red vine? To be honest, neither. 
Batman or Superman? This I Batman. Knew. Duh. I knew he was gonna do that. Top celebrity crush. It'd be nice to meet Sophia Bush. I think she's super That's a positive. Throwback. I like that. That's a what? Throwbacks. So Sophia Bush. I thought you said something else. No. <laughs> Well, she, she was just recently on Chicago PD, so it's not too was she? far. Away. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I haven't seen That's her. where I fell in love with her. Right. But she's very positive um, with her activism online. I think it's a, a great, great role model for everyone. Nice. Yeah. What's your favorite age so far? It would definitely be my 20s when I feel like I could drink a lot, sleep for five hours, and wake up and still be fresh as a daisy. I have like three drinks, sleep for eight hours, and I'm like, oh, God. I that's, miss. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, me, that's me today. Um, fate or luck? Fate. Have you ever cried at work? Yes. Like how badly? Like I'm gonna leave, go to the side of the building, collect <laughs> oh, no. myself, come back upstairs. Uh, do you have a favorite pump up song? I think I'll put on like Depeche Mode and I can like dance, but it's still like depressing dance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense for you. Yeah. Final one. Uh, fill in the blank here. Happiness is something I'm still looking for. All right. All right. Well, Nick Guzmiller, thank you for joining us. And thank you for inspiring a lot of people to understand that they, too, could pursue their passion and dream, keeping music alive. Hopefully my blabbering uh, does something for somebody. I mean, I'm sure it it will. That's for sure. And Ben, you didn't say 100% one time. No way. You didn't. I'm, so I don't have to give any fun facts. You don't have to do facts. any fun. You don't have to give any far facts this time. That's huge, actually. Yes, but usually that. that's my line. I was like 100. percent Do you say that too? Yeah. Oh, so we've it. made it a thing because I say it fucking mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. and like my friends pointed out. So Marta has done the. We're doing this thing where every time I say 100 percent in an episode, that's how many fun facts I have to give about myself. Far facts. Far facts. Far facts. Yes. And I didn't say it one time. I'm very impressed. Well, that's okay. There's other times to make up for. There's many times. There's many times. And but Nick, thanks, thanks again, man. Of course. Like, thank you for... Was, it was a really, really great pleasure to have you on the show. And, uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for telling us how the fuck do I work in the music industry. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you all next time. Later. Bye.